I know that we either have hard copies or we've got them in, uh, uh, you know, your apps and your phones and all the rest. Take them out, please, and let's t- turn to the book of Philippians that we've been speaking and covering. Um, and the scripture for today, the verse for today is verse 11. But I'll read from verse 10. It's Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And this is what it says. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death. And then verse 11 for today, today's verse. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So here, verse 11, uh, we've spent quite a bit of time looking at verse 10. And I I have uh, mentioned that uh, verse 10 was probably, arguably, Paul's life verse. This is the reason why Paul uh, continued to serve Christ. He says that I may know him. I made comments like, you know, for this great apostle, this man that we read about, that we follow as an example. He didn't say, as he was writing this particular uh, verse, the commentators say that he had he was had been serving Christ for about a quarter of, a quarter of a century, and it's interesting that he doesn't say even after serving Christ for so long, planting churches and you know uh, performing all sorts of things for the sake of the kingdom. He doesn't say, "I want to do more of those exploits. I want to go out to different places so I can plant more churches or see more miracles." or whatever the case might be, his motive was, I want to know him more. I want to know Christ better. And I, I asked the question, I wonder, is it true of us for the many years that we've been serving Christ? Do, does that still ring in our hearts? I want to know Christ better. Or do we say, well, I want to plant a church for those who want to plant churches. Or I want to... I wanna, I want to raise my kids well. I want to serve well wherever I find myself. Or is it actually I want to know Christ better? Because for Paul, all those years serving Christ, he still found reason to say I want to know him more. Why? Because there's more to know him. So the length that you've been serving Christ, the things that Christ has uh, revealed to you and showed you, it's not the end. There's a whole lot more. There is a whole lot more. And the reason that we're still alive is because God has allowed us to be alive. And therefore, He has um, things that He wants to show and share with us and allow us to walk into. So verse 11, Paul concludes this, this, um, uh, this thought that I want to know Christ. I want to experience the power of His resurrection. I want to have fellowship with His suffering. Not a very nice uh, point. But this is Paul. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'd be conformed to His death. See, as we read verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead... It would almost seem in the English, Paul appears to doubt um, that he will rise from the dead. 
So he says all these things. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the resurrection power. I want to, I want to partake in the suffering that he's allowed me to uh, through his grace. I want to be conformed to his death. And then he says, if I may, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. It almost seems as though he was doubting his, um, that he will be raised with Christ. If you read it face front, it looks as though he's, he's, uh, he's doubting. If I may, if I may, and we know if, if you've uh, read Paul's writings, he's a confident man. He knows the things about, that he uh, encourages people about Christ, that we are destined to uh, once be born, once die, and will be raised again. So how can you write this? It almost seems as though he questions the assurance of his salvation. Which is not like Paul. But if you read it face front, it would, um, from a face value, it would almost <coughs> seem as though he's questioning his assurance of salvation. Do we often question the assurance of our, of our salvation? Do we often wonder, are we actually even saved? Are the things that we read in the Word of God actually true? Am I going to rise and be with Him? You know, the Word says that um, absent uh, from the body is, uh, is present with King Jesus. Do we believe that? Or is it just nice words that we read and we kind of try, uh, I don't understand it. So it's, a, it's a almost, um, as I say, if you read it from a face value place, it almost seems as though Paul has been saying all these exciting things. And now he ends off this, concludes this uh, thought by saying, ah, if I may, if only I may. Well, let's try and understand what he meant um, when, when he wrote this. See, the Bible was uh, originally written, the, the New Testament, in the Greek, the commentators say to us, the Old Testament was written in Hebrews and then the New Testament was written in Greek. Greece, Greek, yes. And here is, there, there are four ways of saying this word if. If in the Greek, there are four ways that we can look at it. So it starts off by saying, if by any means. One of these ifs is to assume the statement is true. So this statement, if we are to assume it is true. This is brought out by spelling, not interpretation. The if in this phrase is something Paul assumed to be true. If by any means, so he assumed it was true. By any means, I will attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul did not um, express doubt by this statement. If you look at it from, a, from, from the scholars who wrote this in, in the Greek, if you're looking at it from a Greek perspective, um, he asserted a fact. The word if can be translated as since. Since I will attain the resurrection from the dead is the idea. Not if, but rather since I will attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul had confidence in his eternal state. 
So there's, there's no confusion. It's not as though Paul is like, ah, oh, I want to do these things. I know what you've done. I, uh, I'm encouraging the Philippian church whilst, uh, whilst I'm in prison. Uh, and I'm, I'm doubting. Am I actually saved? Am I going to see Christ? Is, am I going to be raised? I mean, we don't know once we've uh, left this earth. We don't know. Physically, we don't know it. No one has come back to tell us what, uh, what happens. There are lots of people uh, who say they've gone to heaven and come back and also they've experienced a whole bunch of stuff. We don't know. But all we do know is what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God is our basis. The Word of God is our ground. It is our firm foundation. Absent from the body, is, uh, we are present with Jesus Christ. Paul assumed... At this point, as he was writing, he assumed that he might be raptured. Who thinks about the rapture? We've heard of different theories about the rapture. Paul, in his day, assumed that he might be raptured. But as you know, it did not happen. He died and his soul went to heaven. His body will be raptured later when Jesus comes again. At a minimum, Paul was assured to the destiny of his, um, of his body. So he was assured. He was confident that actually all these exploits, God has allowed me to be here. He, he has allowed me to be in prison. He's given me the privilege to write to churches, to, uh, to fellow Christians. I've got the privilege of encouraging them. God hasn't called me home yet. But this I know, that I am indeed saved. That I am going to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That I have been serving all my life. That I'm still serving whilst I'm here on earth in prison. This was a confidence that Paul had. As I said earlier, verse 10. Paul had said he wanted to know the power of the resurrection and be conformed to the death of Christ. Paul had an attitude. It's all about attitude. Our lives uh, um, kind of are um, directed or engaged or the path that we decide, our path is decided with our attitude. So when life happens, how is our attitude? How do we react to certain things? Our attitude. So Paul's attitude was whatever the cost, whatever the suffering, whatever was uh, my um, plot in life, I am willing to die for Christ. I am willing to, to do whatever needs to be done so that I can know him more. If God in his mercy and his grace chooses that I may be uh, sent to prison. Remember, he was going to face a trial, and from this trial, there was um, um, talk of him possibly being executed. His attitude was if that's the case, that's okay. God has allowed me to be here in prison at this time. And if he allows me to be executed, well, that's still okay because actually it's gain, it's not loss because I'll be with him that I'm preaching about. So it was all about his attitude. Whatever the future held, he knew he would be resurrected. So, my dear friends, this morning, do you know it with all confidence in your heart that you know that you will be resurrected? <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Do you know that you will be resurrected? His confidence was independent of circumstances. <clears throat> now, as I said, this is Paul, the great Paul that we uh, aspire to, inspires us, the Holy Spirit inspires us through, through the writings that Paul um, wrote in the Word. How, do, today, this morning, do you, are you convinced that you will be resurrected? Are you convinced that the Word of God is true? Are you convinced? Are you convinced that Jesus Christ parted the seas or he calmed the seas, the raging seas? Are we convinced that that is true? Or is it just something that we read and we think, oh, it's a nice story. Maybe when I was a young Christian, I believed it. But now as life has happened, all sorts of things have taken place. I'm not too sure. I wonder if it's us in any way. And if it is, I'm here to say, I do understand because are, we are all human. But I'm here to remind us that Jesus Christ says that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. The same Jesus who you believed in the day that you were saved hasn't changed. And so if he parted seas and um, allowed the Israelites to walk through the red, if he did all of that stuff then and you believed it, it hasn't changed. It's still true today. If, he, if, he is, if you've seen healing, for instance, do you still believe that he can still do it again? He can, he can heal people today. I will um, share a quick testimony. Uh, early in my Christian uh, walk, I used to go to a um, hospital to go and pray for people. And um, I walked into the ward and, it, um, and there were these two people. The one had a, um, a fractured knee, and the other one next to him had a fractured ankle from construction. One of them fell from a ladder and all sorts. And, um, and I, in my excitement, in my early days, I'm like, I'm eager. God, you say that you, you work miracles. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lay hands. You say that I must lay hands on the sick and they will get healed. And so I, I laid my hands on this uh, guy who had the fractured uh, knee. And I, I believe God will, will do something here. And as I did that, it, it almost felt like something was happening in, his, uh, in the knee. The bones were coming together or something was happening. He couldn't walk because he had a fractured knee. When I finished praying, he got up and he started walk, walking. And I thought, this is, this is unbelievable. And then I, now I think back, I did the same with a guy with a, with a fractured ankle. I laid my hands on, on his um, ankle. I prayed. He couldn't walk or he walked with a bit of pain. And when I finished, he could walk no pain whatsoever. The reason I share that is because many years later, I look back and I think, if God did that, why can't he do it today? Why do I doubt that he can do the same thing today? Because I must be honest, often there is still doubt. I, do, I, I, I am doubting. God, will you? And we'll go with, if it's your will, please heal such and such a person. But God says, it is my will. 
I want to I show a miracle. I want to show myself to you. It's not like everyone will get healed. I do understand that you know, it is God's prerogative. It's too high. It's all going to work out. But for me and you, what we need to do is believe that His word is true. Believe that when we lay our hands on the sick, they will get healed. We will live to see that to be in the case. Can I share another, another quick one with this? We were doing uh, evangelism in, um, in Yeovil. And um, we went, it was a Wednesday night. We went to the streets and we saw this guy. I still remember, his name is Dennis. And Dennis had, had uh, his one eye was, couldn't see. He used to work in a factory. And uh, as he was working the machines, uh, he was cutting wood or something. And uh, this the splinter shot from the machine and shot into his, his eye. And he could not see, obviously, thereafter. And I had, these, uh, I, was, I had these other young guys with me. And the one guy comes to me and he says to me, Joe, I, I think this, this, we need to pray for this guy. He's going to see tonight. And uh, in my human lack of faith, whatever you want to call it, I thought to myself, but that, uh, the guy can't see. He hasn't been seen. He told us for five years, he hasn't, this eye hasn't worked. And he's going to pray, he's going to see. Okay, well, God says it, let's, let's do it. But you know, I must be honest, I didn't have enough faith. I didn't really believe it, it was going to happen. This is after I had experienced the, the healings of the fractured knee and, and ankle. How fickle is it? The, fickle is the, how are we? We, just, we see one thing, God working miracles, and the next we doubt in him. So then I said, okay, uh, let's, let's go pray. So we went to Dennis. We asked him, can we pray for you? Uh, he was selling stuff on the, in, on the street uh, corner there. And um, so we laid uh, hands on him. In fact, I asked this uh, young guy, please lay your hands. He, I said, in my head, I said, you've got more faith than me. So you lay your hands on, on this, uh, this guy let's, and uh, let's, let's ask God to, to do what he said he wants to do. We laid our hands on him and we began to pray. And as we prayed, I moved back and I just watched this young man praying with such faith, with such, man, it's going to happen. We pray, and that's all, then I agreed, I backed him and I agreed uh, with the, uh, in the prayers. And... Um, then we asked Dennis, Dennis, have you, can you tell us, is there anything happening? And so Dennis then says to, to us, um, for five years, this right eye has been completely dark. There's been darkness. Now, I can see a glimmer of light. I can see some sort of light. And I thought to myself, what? This is amazing. And I said to this young guy, okay, okay, it's happening, it's happening. My head, I thought, okay, well, let's pray. Let's trust God for, for, for something is happening. We carried on praying for this guy. And I can't remember how long it was for. But at the end of it, Dennis came uh, out that night with one blind eye. He left that evening with one eye working. He put his uh, hand on the, on the good eye. And he opened the eye that was blind, and he says, I can see you, I can see that light, I can see that car there. And I was just in awe. I just thought, man, 
This is the Jesus we serve. This is the Jesus we serve. So my dear friends, the reason I share this is to encourage us that actually God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He did it then, He can do it today, and He will do it again tomorrow. We just have to believe in Him. Someone once said, the, the biggest hurt that God experiences from His children is when we, don't, when we do not believe, believe Him. That's His biggest hurt hurt when we do not believe him his biggest joy is when we actually believe him when we actually believe that actually regardless of what's happening regardless of the fact that my ankle is fractured um, or my my um, knee is fractured or i have had a uh, accident in the factory and i cannot see with one eye or with both eyes god is still a healer God is still a provider. Even when I don't have, He is looking after me. Even when I, I do not know, he, he has set things apart for me. That brings Him such joy. Such joy. So, let's get back to the verse. The word for resurrection in this phrase is used nowhere, nowhere else in the Greek, the commentators say in the New, um, in the New Testament. The idea is resurrection out from among the dead. So, Paul is confident all these things have happened. It's still alive. He wants to know Christ more. But he is confident that one day he will be resurrected. He will, he will see uh, the King of Kings. The idea is a resurrection out from among the dead. There are two resurrections. Did you know that there are two resurrections that... Uh, will be experienced, but only one is out from among the dead. There are two resurrections, but only one is out from among the dead. The one is for Christians, and the other for non-Christians, as, as per John 5 verse 28. There is a resurrection of the dead, and there is a resurrection from the dead. So there's a resurrection of the dead. And then there's a resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead is the first resurrection of believers to be with their God. The resurrection of the dead is the resurrection of non-Christians to face judgment. And you see, the truth is per the word of God. Everyone will surface in one resurrection or another or the other. The resurrection of this passage is a partial resurrection out from among the corpses of non-Christians. Literally, this word means art resurrection, rising up. It's art, coming out, waking up. And this was Paul's confidence. He was confident that one day he will reach resurrection reward. And this is true for us. That one day we will all reach resurrection reward. We will all be raised from the dead. Whether God comes, Jesus comes and, and um, comes and takes... Um, uh, takes over 
or, or we die, or He calls us home before He comes and um, um, attacks the world. Either way, we will all experience some sort of resurrection. Either way, we will all, all attain to this resurrection. And the news for us and for those who do not believe it is that the resurrection will happen to all people, those who are saved, those who are lost, those who are godly and the ungodly. Everyone will be raised from the dead. But there's another side to the resurrection. Resurrection is the occasion of reward for the godly. So, you know, we've maybe in our, in our upbringing we've been taught you cannot, you cannot, you mustn't, you mustn't uh, be eager to achieve or to to gain reward. I don't know whether it's true, whether we've heard that. But can I say, even in the Christian context, in the Christian world, we need to aspire to reward. Jesus Himself lived for reward. It says in His Word, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. For the joy set before Him. For the things that were to come. For Him um, uh, looking after us, us giving Him glory and praise. He said, for that joy, for that reward, he endured the cross. He endured the, the very King Jesus. So why do we then think that we should not live our lives with uh, an eager expectation for reward? I want to be rewarded. I'm sure we all want to be rewarded one way or another. Because sometimes we look at other Christians, can I be honest, and we think to ourselves, Man, if that person is living, he's a, he or she is a Christian, they're living like that. This is their life. This is my life and I don't want to be, um, I don't want to compare and I don't want to have, um, I don't want to be judgmental. Surely, I can also do whatever I want. I can also live as I want. Um, we're all going to go to heaven. You know, we're all going to get there. Whether I've lived my life, you know, whether it is pleasing to God or not, I'm sure, surely we all get to, to, to heaven. But Jesus says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went through what he had to go through for the joy set before him because he was anticipating the reward that God had prepared for him. So for you and I, we need to live in a way that we anticipate the rewards that God has set out for us. Paul would say, I am running in a race. I am running this race. I want to win. I want to win. The Christian life is a race. But there's a different, it's a different kind of race. The race that the world um, encourages is we're going to beat each other. I'm going to race you and beat you. I'm going to show you. You know, this race that Paul is talking about, this Christian race, is one that we actually, I'm not racing against you, I'm racing with you. I'm racing so I can 
And as I'm running on in my lane, but I see you are battling or you're struggling, I stop or I slow down and put my hands around you and I'll encourage you that we may finish this race. We may cross the, 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 the finish line. Because, you know, even for a race in worldly understanding, unless you finish the race, you do not get rewarded. You have to finish a race. Only when you cross over the line, so then you get the reward. And so for us as Christians, we need to encourage each other. If I see you lagging or you are, because of, I need to slow down and come, come. Let's go together. We need to finish this, uh, this race. When you see me maybe battling, I'm taking it easy, I'm, I'm battling for whatever reason, you need to come and tell me, no, 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 come. Put your hands around me and let's go and finish this race. Because there is reward for us at the end of this race. And the way we live this life on this earth, will, uh, the, the, the outcome of this life, how we run this race, will determine the rewards that we get once we cross the finish line. And in fact, I, I can maybe run and cross the finish line. Then I saw, I left Jamie behind there. Jamie was battling and I'm like, ah man, I want to just beat him and get, so I can get to the finish line. I will get less reward for that. In fact, God says, actually, what I need to do is slow down and actually I need to take my brother and help him across the, the finish line. Then he gets rewarded and I get rewarded, maybe even double, doubly. I don't know how it all, all works out. But there's reward for us. And this is what, the, 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 um, what Paul was eagerly in, uh, awaiting for. He was assured that he will get reward. And see, this is why the Bible speaks of being worthy of the resurrection. Are we, are we, are we together? There's not meant to be a, a hoo-ha, like it's the point. My, it's, it's an encourage, I, hope, I hope it's an encouraging word from God that actually we do need to run. But whilst we're running, why do you run? You don't run just for the sake of running. You run because there's a reward. We need to finish. We need to cross that line. But as we're running, we don't just run and leave everyone behind. We run together. We help each other. We encourage one another because we all must try and win and finish this race. Every single Christian, true born-again believer, needs to finish this race. And God hasn't put us on this earth alone. He's put us together so that we can walk together. So we can encourage one another. So that I can lift you up. So that you can lift me up. So that you can help me when I need help. So I can help you when, I need, uh, when you need help. It's not just about me. It's not just about you and your race. See, the truth is that we have an assurance that we will arrive at the resurrection 
from among the dead. Every single one of us. That's an assurance. Assurance of salvation. We are saved. One day we will be with our King, our, our, our God. We have confidence both about time now and eternity because of the assurance we have in Christ. For us as believers, we ought to look at eternity in a positive uh, respect. We don't look at eternity and, whoa, what's going to happen? We look at it with anticipation because of what's to come. The biggest and the greatest reward we'll get as children of God is to be found in the presence of our King Jesus. Being found in His presence, that will be the greatest and biggest reward that we will, we will receive and then the others will follow. So we are to look at eternity with confidence. When you or I die, we need to know that we will arrive home. We will arrive home. We are not, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And why do I say that? Because the assurance of salvation, the assurance that one day we will be with Him who was raised among the dead, is because it, that assurance is based on the work of Christ, not on our good works, on the work of Christ. Not whether we deserve it or not. God provides eternity for us. And you see, for you and I, if this is true, we should have no concern about the future in time. So tomorrow, we shouldn't be concerned about tomorrow. Or the future in eternity. And the sad thing is the world and many of us Christians, many of us worry about the future. Who worries about the future? Let's be honest. Who worries about the future? T tomorrow, the, uh, week to come, month, and the future of uh, eternity. Who, if you think about it, I think we, we, all, we humans, we do worry about things, these things. Some of us worry so much that it has become an occasional, almost health hazard. The amount of people who are sick because of worry and anxiety is ridiculous. I mean, I don't know, I'm sure all of us know someone who is actually sick. And you know it's not, uh, it's because of, Anxiety, it's because of worry, it's, it's because of trying to, uh, you're just so caught up with what's going to happen, how's it going to work, and so that thing works in your, uh, against your health. If people, excuse me, do not worry about themselves, <laughs> they worry about their children or their grandchildren. Some say that everything is going down the drain. Ever heard of those conversations, especially in this country? Ooh, things are going down the drain. It's all, it's all going backwards. I've heard those conversations. I must uh, admit to some degree, I've also been involved in those conversations. Forgive me, Father. <clears throat> the truth is, that might be true. 
in our physical eyes. That what we see might be true. Things might look as though they're going backwards. Things might look as though they're going down the drain. Yes, electricity is a problem at times. Yes, water is a problem. Things might look as though they are going backwards. But can I ask this question? What, what difference does it make if our future is actually assured? What difference does it actually make? Yes, it might make it difficult to live now. But if our future, which involves tomorrow, the next day, but the future into eternity, if that is assured, what does it actually matter that the electricity is a problem? Now, or the water is an issue, or this is happening, or that is happening. Worry always muddies the waters. Worry always muddies the waters. Worry blinds us to solutions. With anxiety, we do not see issues clearly. Yes, there are issues. Jesus is the one who said, take heart. In this world, you'll face many problems, but take heart. For I have overcome it all. Take heart. Can I ask another question? Do you ever solve any problem, any issue by worrying? Do you? That's a whole other preach. Worry and anxiety. If you, do you ever solve um, any issue by worrying? If the family sits down and shares their worries, which we often do, I'm sure, in many families around the table, we sit and share our worries, our concerns. They are now twice as worried because they have shared their fears. I've shared my fears with you and I've just uh, dumped that on you as well. So now you worry, I'm worried. That both of us are worried. What good does that do for us? And the only apparent option, a solution at this point, is to swallow some pills. To swallow, swallow some pills to blunt the pain. The truth is, we never get anywhere by worrying or by being anxious. That's why in Philippians uh, uh, 4 verse 6, it says we are to be anxious about nothing. About nothing. Are we good? I'm going to pray for us, God, to help us not to worry. To give us confidence that, uh, and give us that reassurance of salvation is guaranteed. It is ours. Jesus has paid the price on the cross for us. Therefore, we are not to be found worrying about our tomorrow. Yes, we do the best we can with what we have now. We do the best we can with the things that God has given us. Our children, we raise them in a, in a godly way, in a way that is we think is best for their future, but actually we need to ask God, is it best for their future? There's no need to worry. There's no need to be anxious. Because God remains sovereign. And I know the word of God says that the God of this age is in charge. He's working, he's doing things. But overall, God owns it all.
He owns the universe. He owns it all. Even the, the evil one, the enemy. Even him, he's under God's um, authority. So we need not worry. We need not fall apart when things are shaken up. Our confidence is in the one who provides for us. Not in our own abilities, not in our circumstances, and not in self. If God can provide for our eternal inheritance, He can provide for you and I into our future. The next hour, the next day, week, month, years, he can, if he can take care of eternity, which is a big thing, this is, a, a, a tomorrow is small, it's little. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us understand that resurrection will come because of what you have done on the cross. Because you were raised from the dead, Lord, it means that we will also be raised from the dead. And once that happens, God, we will receive the rewards that are due to us because of your mercy. Father, I ask that you help me, you'd help my friends, that we may race or run this race as best as we can, as diligently as we can, Father, but not for just ourselves, God, but we help each other to cross this, to get to the finish line. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy for your grace and for your love. We bless your most holy name in Jesus' name. Amen.